king and we want him now we want a king and we want him now we want a king hey man where did you learn how to drive i got my license from sears last week in the mail yeah well it must have been a discount because you can't even stay in your lane man oh man isn't that the truth hey you know i was going to richmond on sunday and it was early Sunday morning. There's no traffic on the interstate. And so I'm moving at a pretty good little bit above the legal limit clip. And I tend to stay in the right lane unless I'm passing. And guess what? I get in the left lane to pass. Grandma's in front of me in the left lane going five miles an hour below the speed limit. Did you run her off the road? Did you flip mm -hmm. her off? Did you throw something? I was going to church, so I couldn't do any of those things. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that anyway, but. So, well, see, I would think church is exactly where you want to go uh, when you're doing something like that, because at least you now have some reason to be there. Well, my point is, is why the heck can't we stay in the out of the left lane unless we're passing? Why in the heck is the United States, and I just looked this up, why do we have 14? and change deaths per 100,000 cars in the U.S. when our friends in, oh, let's pick a place that, that we would think they drive terribly in, Italy has 6.3. Well, I think that we should probably get into that. But before we do, hey, welcome to Civil Discourse, everybody. This is not a safe space. And, and, and this is absolutely, the, the not a safe space we're talking about are the roads. And oh, amen. Drive on them. Amen. Number one cause of childhood death, car accidents. That's that's not disease related. Car accidents. Number one in the U.S. And Crazy. you know, it's interesting because they have the marketing, the, the the civil marketing, has made road rage this this thing that is the offense. That's the offense, and and it's true. One should keep their temper in check um, and becoming irate to the point of doing uh, irresponsible and hazardous things on the road in response to somebody's uh, offensive driving, uh, or at least their perceived offensive driving, is not an excuse. However, however, when you are monopolizing the left lane at five miles below the speed limit, and you can't get by and you're trying to, whatever the case is, get where you need to go or do what you need to do. And somebody is simply, I, this is a free country. I can be in this lane if I want to be in this lane. I don't have to worry about you. You're not my problem. <sighs> I'm sorry, but I am now a little bit enraged and I'm not sure I should apologize for that. What do you think? Oh, you see, I'm, you're asking the wrong guy because you, you and I were driving once and I said, you get a you go, you get a you go, you get a you go. And we started laughing because too many people are, are in cars uh, driving in the left lane, 5, 10, 15 miles an hour below the speed limit or 5, 10 or 15 miles an hour below the flow of traffic. Mm -hmm. And they decide this one I'm really going to ping on. They decide they're Officer Dan or Danielle. And it is their job to slow down everybody behind them because they're Officer going. Karen. What's that? I thought it was Officer Karen. I wasn't going to pick on Karen this episode, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. I'm sorry, Karen. Sorry about that. So, so Officer Dan or Danielle, and they're going to slow everybody down. And and I'm sorry, unless you have a gun and carry a badge, that's not your job. Uh, the law is slow traffic, keep right, and particularly in states. In the well, Northeast. Here's the problem. 
it's not always the law. It's not. And, and so suggested uh, behavior, driving behavior, but it is not the law in most states. Not, and that's not everywhere. It's some, whereas some places. Virginia, it is, Virginia, it is the law. Well, then that's a problem. But I no, no. I mean, it's a law that slow traffic must keep right. Maryland does not have that law. Most states, it is not the law. It is the suggested driving practice. And I'm sorry that that's a problem. Now, look, we're talking a lot about just left-hand slow driving. There are oh, it's kinds more. of offensive behaviors behind the wheel. Well, I was going to pick on the other one. All but, you guys who weave and bob and bob and weave. Now, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Who are you talking to? Uh, I'm talking to those guys. Are you one of those guys? Well, I mean, sometimes if nobody else is moving and I got to go, I mean, the, the alternative is just to run a, rear end somebody in front of me. So, I mean, I assume they want me to go around them. Since uh, they're not moving over. I'm not talking about moving around someone who's hugging the left lane and getting around them that way. I'm talking about those guys and you know, you've seen them and you're not one. I've driven with you for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of miles. You don't do this. I'm talking about that guy who's, Zip, zip, zip through the through the traffic like he's uh, on a video game, and it will even go over on the shoulder to get around people. Okay, and, that's, a, that's a bridge too far. You yeah, know, and that guy is now he he spent fifteen minutes dodging through traffic, splitting lanes, and doing God knows what. And we're not talking on a motorcycle. And mm -hmm. now he's six cars ahead of me when he was behind me a minute ago. Uh, so <laughs> it's 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 but that so one is the point. Um, now look, here's the thing. It's, I, th I think, and the reason we're going down this, this, this road, if you'll forgive the pun, um, it's, it, we're making somewhat light of it, but I think it is a very serious issue that, that we have in this country, uh, where our driving. Now you can, you can say that I've been to Mexico or I've been to China or I've been to some of these other places and you want to see bad driving. Here's the wild and crazy of it. With all of our uh, Western civilization, lights and law-abiding citizens and concerned drivers and responsibility, compared to what legitimately, uh, based on a visual, is the absolute jungle of drivers in this place like, for example, Shanghai, um, when you actually compare per capita the number of accidents, that are uh, significant, deadly, or, or you know, badly injuring. We are way above the average of these places with all of their crazy driving and lack of rules and driving all over the place, uh, on and off road and shoulder. It's it's also not a fair comparison. The Chinese don't drive cars with the safety features in them. I, I just look; they actually have more deaths per hundred thousand vehicles than we do, uh, significantly more. But they're not driving in the same kind of cars we're driving. And by the way, how many billion people live in China? Three? Well, this was the point. And that statistic may have changed, but I know when we lived over there, it, we, uh, we looked into it because you'd see driving practices that would make your hair stand on end. And yet despite that, uh, the number in this, we're going back, what, 10 years now? The, the number of actual accidents within a 20 million... Oh, the accidents may be lower. They just may still be lower. I was talking about deaths, which is why right. I mentioned cars. Yeah, because, yeah, they're, they're, and a lot of times it's involving tuk-tuks uh, and other, you know... And motorcycles and, yeah. and scooters, that's, yes. That's a different thing. But as far as the actual number of accidents relative to the number of people driving, it's much lower, or at least it was. 
It, it probably is. And they only have 18 accidents per 100,000 people, uh, which is still significant. But but by comparison, uh, Belize... Belize has 24. I'm just, I, I have it sorted by numbers here, so I can't really pull up a particular one. But, uh, and remember, China was a developing nation until very recently. So, yeah. well, uh, in part still is uh, very much so. But so the thing of it is, is you, you don't understand the perspective of our roads. And this can probably be said for almost every aspect of our society, but we're talking roads here. You don't understand the perspective of our, roads as far as the traffic conditions and driving practices until you've been outside of our country and seen how uh, how other places approach their driving practices and habits. And I still hold the gold standard, and correct me if you disagree with me, but to me, the gold standard is still Germany. It, it's a funny thing, and I will, I will tell a story, and I don't disagree with you at all. I, I remember being late early early teens let's say or just before my early teens and flying over to germany to visit my grandmother and getting in the car at the airport my uncle was driving my grandmother did not drive and um we get on the car we get on the autobahn and it, it was a porsche and we're moving i mean we are moving Mm -hmm. And to me, it was just shocking how fast we were going because I grew up in the U.S. You know, we had a very, I mean, we, I don't think we had 70 mile an hour speed limits at that time. We may have actually been already in the era of 55 mile an hour national speed limits. Which by the way is walking pace. Yes, yes. (laughs) And I look over and it's 220 kilometers per hour. And I'm doing the math in my head saying, what's that, like uh, 112 miles an hour? (laughs) and and uh so i'm kind of a little bit of uh uh, crazy there in my head and uh but i remember my uncle looking in the rear rear mirror and saying oh 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 and he uh gets over immediately and then a couple seconds later a car goes blasting by us just moving way faster than we were and i then start to watch and and i'm seeing this go on constantly where people in the left lane are moving over to let someone go past or they're they're passing and then getting immediately in the middle lane or the right lane, and it worked. It worked really well. And um, I would venture to guess uh, they may be the finest drivers in the world. But I have read historically they were terrible drivers at the end of World War II. They had lots of accidents, and Germany had an a program to educate their drivers and has very stringent laws, by the way, and has a very extensive uh, testing process to get your license. Well, this is, this is the difference that, that I point out. And, you know, a lot of people will, well, if you don't like the way we do it in America, then leave. Well, okay. My, uh, left-wing liberal tree hugging this is going to say, go stick it because there is no comparison between the quality of driving and drivers, uh, in, in Germany in Europe in general, I would argue, uh, having driven all over Europe, I would say in general. For example, quick example, the, you know, uh, adjusted for kilometers to miles, their average speed limit is somewhere around 80 to 85, 90 plus, where ours is still 65 in the majority of our country. Right. 
when you've been over there on just normal roads, not even the German Autobahn, but just normal uh, inter... Oh, they're moving. <laughs> but they're moving at what we illegally drive at. Right. When we're going 75, 80, 85 miles an hour. And we think, oh my God, you're going so fast. No, because people are being responsible. Germany is a great example because they, I think, have what, and, and I'm going to express an opinion here, so please feel free to write in and tell me I'm full of it. Um, but I think they have the ideal attitude about driving. One, it's not a joke. It's not a toy. It's not a, hey, I turned 16 and my mommy bought me a whatever. No. To get your license is a dedicated uh, effort. It's a year maximum or minimum, I think, of training. And those training uh, practices are both written and on the road. The testing process is extensive and it is very expensive. Well, and they do things that would anger Americans in Germany. Absolutely. They, Absolutely. Do, they do some crazy things like uh, you can be you can be 14 years old and have a moped. They don't have a problem with that because they understand that that teenagers need to be able to get around and mom and dad can't always move them around. And their mopeds and their scooters all go to the front of the line at the red lights so that they can get across safely, which in the US, if, if you do that on your moped or your motorcycle or your 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 moped, people we'll want to go out and punch you in the face. Uh, by the yeah. way, 6.4 deaths per 100,000 cars versus our, what did I tell you, 20-something? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, 165, not 60. Right. And by the way, uh, a lot of their deaths are because they are high-speed accidents, which are usually caused by some mechanical misfunction, not necessarily a collision. Uh, but, you know, they do things differently over there. 200 miles an hour, it's probably not going to go well. <laughs> probably not good. My, my, my grandmother's neighbor blew out his tire on the Autobahn and ended up in the hospital. He survived, thank goodness. But um, yes, it was it was not pretty. But they do things there differently. You know, they, they give the kids, meaning teenagers, the freedom to have a moped and, and to not be tied to mom and dad. But they're not pushing them into cars at 16 that weigh 4,000 pounds and could kill 20 people uh, from one misjudgment. Uh, and so well, I part of part of what that is, and from the early onset of of young people's traveling experience, is the installation that this is a serious thing, and there is a there is a big difference in the responsibility that a citizen in Germany on the road takes than we have over here, um, both in our psych psychology uh, and culture of driving, but also legally. For example. They don't have a speed limit on sections. By the way, it's a misnomer to think the entire road is just free. -fall. No, it's not. It's not. That have speed limits. But then, you know, if there's not construction or there's not a developed area with high population, then they will open up with a, a you know, no speed limit section. However, in that section, the, the rule is you drive reasonably. And what that means is if you try, if you choose to drive what, would not be considered reasonably, you will be responsible for what happens if you are the cause of an accident. And that's just understood. So you have a lot of skin in the game, quite literally in some cases, uh, when you get on the road over there. And because of that, people take it seriously. It is not a, uh, I've turned 16, give me a Porsche kind of culture. 
No. And, and my mom came over here uh, a little bit older than that. And she had never driven. I, I think she had a scooter. Um, it, it, it's And it's not something that's changed. If anything, they've gotten more stringent uh, mm -hmm. because they realize uh, the huge responsibility you have when you get behind the wheel. And, and I, you know, the running joke between the two of us is, is we talk about a German car and, and I'll slip into this. We do not drink coffee in the car. We drive in the car. And, and while I'm joking, that they, that is truly the cultural attitude they have. For years, you could not buy a coffee holder, buy a car with a coffee holder in Germany because you don't drink coffee when you drive. You drive. And the hilarity <laughs> of it to me was when I uh, first got in a Porsche and paid attention to it. Here's this, you know, in some cases, $300,000 car. And you open up the cup holder, if there is one at all. And it's the cheapest piece of flimsy plastic you've ever seen. Because we do not drink coffee in the car. <laughs> what coffee? You drive to a coffee shop. <laughs> That's right. You know, and Germans love their coffee shops, by the way. They do. So it, it is a cultural thing. But no, they take driving that seriously. And uh, you do get a radio. Um, I don't remember my uncle ever listening to the radio when he drove, except if we were in the countryside and he didn't have to uh, be 100% yeah. focused on, on the, the traffic. Uh, where he could be like 95% focused and then he would turn on the radio. But it, it's just a whole different approach to driving. Of course, the first thing we do when we get in the cars is we turn on our our our, our, our um, radio. We right. got our phone sitting there so we can read our messages. I have seen more people texting as they're going down the road. In the left uh, lane. In uh, the left lane. Uh, just yesterday, uh, <laughs> he's swerving on and off the curb in the left lane, 15 miles below the speed limit on the highway. I drive, I have to, I'm forced to pass her on the right. And, and, and partially a, I want to get, you know, drive faster. B, I don't want to be near her. And I look over, she's texting or fumbling around on the phone. I mean, it, it's, it's a caricature uh, at this point. You get caught looking at your phone on the road over there. And it's a serious offense. You're going to be lucky if you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just you put you put the phone away. It is not time to be on the phone. It is time to drive. And I'm not being I'm 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 making fun of the accent because I grew up with this accent in my house and heard it all the time. But seriously, they take it that that is such a serious responsibility. They don't do that. They wouldn't think. I don't think a German would think to look at the phone while they were driving, much less answer. Oh, I mean, we're speaking in generalizations, <laughs> but in general, yes, that is true. Other rules that we don't exercise here, it is uh, very much illegal, especially on the Autobahn, given the uh, potential speeds that are involved. It is illegal to tailgate. It's a right. serious offense. However, it is also illegal to monopolize the lane to the degree that somebody would be compelled to tailgate. So if you are not passing, actively passing on in somebody, you cannot be riding in the left lane. And how do Germans signal if they're coming up behind you and they need you to move? Uh, flash their lights. Which angers Americans. That's rude. <laughs> so when you come up, it is your responsibility as the approaching car to flash your lights and tell the person in front of you, hey, I'm coming, you need to move over. Well, um, but it's also the responsibility of the person in front. A, to, to be looking for it and not be hogging the left lane. <laughs> <laughs> paying attention, looking in those mirrors that are not there for decoration or for makeup 
and that wasn't intended to be sexist as I realized it sounded when it came out, but you know, or, or to trim your beard. Although <laughs> I have seen people shaving in the, closet. I have seen people shaving with electric shavers. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's sexist. you don't have to write after all. <laughs> so I, 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 by the way, if, 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 if you're shaving with electric shaver, shave on, shame on you anyway, but we'll talk about that another time. So I, well, I figure if you're going to get nasty email, I might as well get some too. No, it's, it is. And, and, you know, we're making somewhat light, but I'm not joking when I say there are things that are done through both ignorance and, uh, What's another word that I could use that properly expresses the level of disregard uh, for the your fellow drivers um, that are worthy of a little bit of, I'm sorry, uh, dare I say, road rage. Not an unhealthy, I'm going to run you off the road kind of road rage, but I'm sorry, it is an absurdity to get out on the roads these days. And just when you finally get beyond that terrible per driver, you're right behind another one or, you know, whatever, or somebody's right behind you with their bright lights in your rear window and you are going the reasonable speed limit. And this is not a highway where there's a passing lane. So what am I supposed to do? Just go ahead and get in my back seat with your, whatever you're driving. Well, and it's particularly troublesome in areas like yours where there is no shoulder. You can't pull over and let people buy. Uh, most of your roads don't have shoulders unless they're major highways. And, and so it's very, very difficult. Uh, and so again, and, and with modern lights, low beams are already very bright. So if you're sitting in your high beams, you're blasting people with these modern lights. I, I mean, they're just bright. Uh, Which is I've an extremely dangerous situation. Of course. And, and I've had people flash me with my modern car, which is a year old now, thinking I'm in high beams and I'm not. I can't imagine what the high beams must look like. I just can't. So, uh, yes, be cognizant of that. Also, remember those automatic high beams may not work. <laughs> you might want to check every once in a while, make sure they're doing their job. Uh, well, and here's the problem. Depending on the make and the model of your car, it may work in that they will go down and back up automatically, but they don't necessarily do it in the timely fashion. Right. And I have noticed that uh, in one of our cars, um, oddly the more expensive one, they, um, they will a not dim fast enough. So for too long, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm blinding the car coming my way, but then they take too long to get bright again. So if you're moving in the dark and we don't have street lights and all that kind of stuff out here in the sticks, uh, bug tussle, is that the term? Yes. Bug tussle. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you're from. Uh, I, I think you're in rabbit town now, but bug right, tussle. Okay, okay. yeah, rabbit town. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you're driving even at the speed limit and it's a dark road, I'm I'm a big advocate of the bright lights uh, to see safely. Um, just turn them down when a car starts coming your way, or you pull up behind somebody. Of course. And you know these these things fall into the realm of common courtesy, but the problem is that common word isn't so common. It's not, and, and it's a shame. Now, now Americans were known worldwide in the 50s and early 60s as being the best drivers in the world. And, and you know, for some reason, and, and if you've been a longtime listener, you'll get this reference. When, we, when men gave up hats, we also gave up being good drivers. And I, I don't get it. Well, and, and, and when we say good, courteous is the word. Right. Um, 
and and um, responsible. Well, and we're painting with a broad brush here, by the way. There are still parts of the country where they're very courteous. Well, I don't know about that. I have driven back and forth from coast to coast, both high, medium, and low routes of this nation. And uh, the one thing I have found is in every corner of our country, the locals will tell you about how terrible the drivers yeah, are. I have too. <laughs> and it's funny to see what they're terrible. It's it's funny to see what they're terrible about because I was in Ohio and they don't they don't know what their turn signals are like. And then I go to New Hampshire and they'll just pull it right out in front of you. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I'm in general. I've always criticized that there's a love for pulling out in front of you like Mario Andretti because you're in that much of a hurry. You got to go and then slowing down. Yes, yes. And I, I've observed that particularly in New Hampshire. And of course, here in mid-Atlantic uh, and, and particularly in the state of Maryland and, and Northern Virginia, uh, we love to sit in that left lane and go 10 miles an hour below the speed limit. And, and I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, now, why do you think, and this, this is a serious question, why do you think that these aren't more legitimate laws? And, and let me refine that question a little further. I have seen police pull folks over, myself included, for the most ridiculously inane things. You know, everything from the sticker on my license plate is a month expired to, you know, there's, there's something wrong with, with the lens of my turn signal or whatever the case is. Bulb's still working, but the lens might, you know. Be cracked or something, right. Or whatever. And yet, and, and nobody is hurt. By that, nobody's ability to to drive safely is affected by that. If if there's something wrong with with my DMV registration, don't tell me in the land of computers and all this other stuff and cameras and whatnot, I can't get an indicate a, a notification in the mail about that. I don't see why the police need to be concerned with these things when somebody who is driving incredibly erratically or irresponsibly and and inconsiderately, everything from going too fast and speeding and weaving, which, okay, fine. But also sitting in that left lane, 15 miles below the speed limit. And yes, it's true. It's called a speed limit. Doesn't mean you have to drive that fast. It means you're not supposed to go beyond that. But there is the flow of traffic, which can be made a dangerous situation when you are monopolizing a lane and going so uh, so so radically different than the general flow of traffic, you are creating a dangerous situation. Uh, all right, I, I have to begin with this disclaimer: the views of Mike Koniger do not reflect the show. The views of the show Civil Discourse. This is not a safe space, or anyone affiliated with the show. They are simply his personal views. All right, well, I've only two of us. That's like fifty percent of the bloody show. But, I, oh. I've done I've done the disclaimer right. <laughs> It's about revenue collection. I know this is true, but I also think it's about harassment. No, it's 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 about revenue collection. Let's let's talk. And, and I'm not saying there's not a, a level of but harassment. You ticket these people who are driving irresponsibly. But the fines are not terribly high. You get caught going 80 miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour zone in the state I live in. That is now can be considered a jailable offense, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, because there is a state law that says 80 miles an hour is reckless driving. And a reckless driving ticket is huge. Uh, same well, thing. I would argue it should be huge. However, well, but 10 miles an hour over the speed limit is not reckless driving. So, well, yes, 10 miles, you know, you're right about that. But if you're weaving and bobbing and all, and, and absolutely. Doing 
most of us would consider to be actually reckless, by all means, that is irresponsible and, and dangerous, a, a dangerous situation you're creating. However, I don't see that as any more dangerous than somebody who is creating a bottleneck on a, hot, on a road. Uh, you know, some places there are fines for being on your phone, but they're not as significant as that. In other cases, why not? You cannot monop monopolize the left lane. I, I, I and move over, or it is a significant fine. Like it is, it is a law in Virginia that you do need to move over. They actually have signs posted on the highway do saying "slow traffic, it? keep right." Do they uh, enforce it once in a while? But again, the fines for speeding are much higher than the fines for being in the left lane, going below, or, 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 or holding up traffic. They're, they're relatively insignificant fines. Number two. I think that, that speeding is specifically targeted, and again, the disclaimer is still in place, because it leads to higher insurance rates. And consequently, the insurance companies are buying radar guns and lasers and all that stuff for police departments. And you can just go through the news and look where progressive insurance, or I'm, I'm just picking on progressive because they were the first to pop in my mind, State Farm are buying the local police, these radar detectors, or radars, these modern radars, uh, so they can do a better job of enforcement and keep our, our streets safe. And then the American uh, phrase that I constantly hear it has no basis in real statistical analysis that speed kills. Well, not really. Bobbing and weaving kills. Uh, <laughs> driving while intoxicated kills. Uh, and, driving and, but what's hilarious is what are we considering speed? Because I have to tell you, 55 miles an hour in a Model T is a very different experience than 55 miles an hour in a brand new BMW, you know, uh, seven, 700 series or whatever. Yes, absolutely. And, you know. and one, one car was made to go 35 and one car was made to go. And I'm being a little funny here, 235. Yeah. Not much funny. I mean, those things move. Um, I, now at 235, anything is a little questionable, but at a let's call it eight, between that 80 and 90 mile an hour speed on a modern highway in a modern car under normal traffic conditions so i'm not talking about snow and rain and all that 90 is nothing well I, I you've been in montana you know what that road's like in montana when they call it big sky country they're not lying it is a big sky you can see horizon to horizon from horizon to horizon Going 90 miles an hour in Montana, you're going to get run over by the trucks because they're oh. moving faster than you are. So <laughs> I'm up, my, we, my family and I took a, uh, a road trip. This is maybe two summers ago through Canada. And we're up there in the hinterlands. And uh, incidentally, this is the reason why I may drive the only Volvo XC90 with a, a spare tire rack on the back. Um, he turned his gentleman car into an off-road vehicle. Yes, I did, bloody. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you why. Because we found ourselves on what turned out we didn't know it at the time, because there was no GPS that was functioning and there was no cell phone signal that was working, uh, way up north on a logging highway or logging road. Uh, the word highway is appropriate, except that it was about a lane and a half wide. And it was probably a stretch of about 150 miles of nothing but trees. I mean, and when I say nothing, I mean, it was just, there, it was darkness. 
And I remember thinking while we were up there, if we had a flat tire, because these the, this particular car and a lot of new ones like it don't come with a spare tire. If we had a flat tire right now, because it was also about one o'clock in the morning, uh, we were working our way to our, our hotel on the other side of the, the territory. Um, we would be completely out of luck in the middle of wolf and moose country. Um, there was there was no cell phone to call anybody. We could hope that maybe somebody would drive by, but we had been on the road for over an hour and hadn't seen a single sign of any life whatsoever, except for that moose that came awfully close to running in front of me. Um, and then, probably about 85 miles in or so, I noticed some headlights in my rearview mirror. And those headlights, and I'm going pretty fast, what I would call pretty fast which means at that point, maybe 70, 75 miles an hour. And these headlights are getting closer and closer and pretty rapidly at that. And before I realize it, it's a truck, a logging truck, a huge semi-tractor trailer truck passes me easily doing somewhere north of 95, 100 miles an hour. And... I pull over, you know, to give him a little bit extra room. He flies by me. And I think, well, okay, I'll try and keep up with him a little bit. So, because, you know, if, if something runs in front, it's going to hit him. He'll clear the road, right? And mm-hmm. we will be sort of with somebody else on this road. I could not keep up with him. And you've been in my car. My car moves. Yes, it does. I could not keep up with him in a safe way, at least. Let me put it that way. And... It was it was just a wild experience because here we are out in the middle of nowhere on this small little logging road that we probably weren't even supposed to be on. I don't know. Um, and this guy was just in a full-size tractor-trailer truck doing close to 110, 120 miles an hour in the middle of the night with no concern of what animal was going to run in front of him. Um, and that's how they drive. Well, so, and they have they have cow catchers on the front of their cars or right. trucks. They're not worried about it. And, and by the way, a lot of those a lot of those roads are privately owned by the logging companies. Yep, they they true. open them up to public use, but they are owned by the logging companies. Police don't patrol it. So if you had broken down to your point earlier, you were in trouble, unless some kind trucker noticed you as he was going ninety miles an hour or hundred miles an hour down the road. You were you were stranded. So. Well, uh, so I went out and got a spare tire rack for the back of my car. <laughs> right. And, and turned your gentleman's car into an off-road vehicle. But <laughs> and, and there's a joke there, folks, and, and I'm not going to tell you the joke. But anyway, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a true, it's, it's truly interesting. And, and it's also, again, we've got, we have to be aware of our Northeastern or our East Coast biases where we say things like nobody needs to go over 55 miles an hour. There are parts of Texas, if you take the right road, it takes you a day or two to get across the state. And if you're slowing people down to 55, it may end up taking three. And yeah. and, and so uh, what we think is very fast in uh, Delaware is very slow in Montana. No, and, and, a random cow that might walk out in front of you, but you know. Well, but again, when you can see... The elk, yes, and I've seen elk in, in, in Montana. When you can see the elk and you can see the mule deer and you can see all the critters that you want to see for the next three miles down the highway. The story I always tell people to, to get you, get people to understand the size of a state like Montana. 
my kiddos were younger than I think my eldest was probably uh, shoot eight eight years old. No, he was ten years old. He's ten years old. He's sitting in the back of the car. We're going through Montana, and he says, "Dad, I need to use the bathroom." And I said, "Buddy, I'm going to pull over at the next exit. We'll stop, and you'll get to use the bathroom." I'm now looking for an exit. Forty minutes later, forty minutes later, at ninety miles an hour. I look and there are tears coming down his face because he's holding it. And I said, that's it. We have to pull off the road and let this boy take a leak on the side of the road because we had not passed a single exit. I, I'm astounded that you, you made him wait that long. Well, he that's was cool. a, he didn't, he didn't tell me he, you know, my, my kids were kind of raised stoic. So, so he wasn't going to complain. And, and so finally I pulled over, he, he took care of business at, at eight years old. And I apologize to him because I think real men, when they make a mistake, apologize. But that's that's another episode we already did, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did apologize to him. I said, I'm so sorry, buddy. You should have told me. I, I didn't realize that it was going to take that long to find an exit. And so, um, well, you know. I'll, and I'll contrast this just for fun because you reminded me of it. Uh, a very different version of that story was when I was in, about that age. I still remember. Uh, sitting in the back seat of my mom's Volkswagen Beetle, 1971, and um, it was a hot day with no air conditioning in the back seat of a car uh, with vinyl seats. And I remember saying to my mother, um, "Mommy, I don't feel very good." Oh, shut up! Well, she never told me to shut up again. And when I said I don't feel very good, <laughs> what did you do? Well, that's it. My sister's purse, who was on the floor uh, next to us, and she next to me in the back seat. Uh, Did you fill it? Became a vessel <laughs> <laughs> for the for all the wrong things. <laughs> you know, you know, though it's it's, and, and I think the point was is is oftentimes is the point. <laughs> <laughs> but oftentimes we think about the U.S. as being where we are, where we are, and. You, and, and for those of us who've traveled, uh, you think we have mountains on the East Coast until you see the Rockies, oh, or, or you think that you know what green looks like if you're coming east until you get into western uh, North Carolina or eastern Tennessee. Uh, you think you know what a Curry Road looks like until you get west of LA on some of those mountain roads, and and, and you know there's 75 curves in the next three miles. Mm -hmm. uh, you just don't, and, and by the way, the same goes for parts of Tennessee and, and Kentucky. Sure. You, you don't know what folks are dealing with where they are. So when you say everybody should or nobody should, uh, please, please be aware that you don't know what you don't know. Uh, number two, what we all probably should do is try to focus on becoming better drivers. So Charles, I want to, I want to ask you, what can I do to become a better driver? Well, I think there are a couple things that have to be taken into consideration. And part of it is based on our state to state uh, agreed upon, you know, driving agreements. I don't have to be licensed in all 50 states to drive in all 50 states. Right. But as you just pointed out very aptly, the driving circumstances in the different states is very different. And what is required in Montana is very different than what's required in New York City. And, you know, and, and frankly, any part of Montana is going to be different than what's required in the city of New York. And yet someone from New York or someone from any part of the hinterlands of Montana 
can drive into the city of New York in any vehicle vehicle that is not registered as a uh, a uh, commercial farm use farm truck. use or something like that, right? Commercial size vehicle uh, truck. However, we are very inconsistent in what we consider commercial size. So if you're in a moving truck, a U-Haul rental, they make some of those pretty bloody big. And if you have never driven anything but a Volkswagen Passat or Golf or something your entire life, and then suddenly you're put, let's say, because you're moving, uh, you have no choice but to drive a huge moving van into a urban area where you're going to need to maneuver, park, negotiate, all kinds of different uh, circumstances. Uh, I'm sorry, but in my humble opinion, you have no business uh, being allowed to drive those circumstances unless you have in some way received some kind of training or passed some kind of uh, demonstration that you can handle the vehicle. And that goes the other way too. People in New York have no idea what it is to drive on a major highway out and whatever. Um, you know, and, and I make, I'm speaking in general terms, but I happen to know a number of New Yorkers who don't grow up driving because you don't drive in New York on average. And suddenly they're, you know, moving out of the city for a different job or whatever the case. And they're put in circumstances where they now are living in a car more than they ever have in their life. And they, do, they have a, a real challenge with it. So... I think there's something to be said for us taking a look at our driving laws. Uh, you know, that was an extreme example, but let me give you one that's more practical. Uh, as a single um, uh, young person, I may drive a small car here again. Uh, that is perfectly fine for my needs as, a one, as, a, as an individual. Then suddenly I'm married and I've got kids and we're going to buy a vehicle that can, you know, handle the kids, the dogs, the whatever we have, right? So we think, you know, there's a really good de deal down at the Chevy dealership. Let's go get a Suburban. <laughs> That's a big vehicle. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, it is. <laughs> and you are perfectly allowed to walk in there, pay your money, and drive off the lot in a vehicle that, I'm sorry, you are not qualified to drive under certain a good number of, of realistic road conditions, like, for example, parking, merging, U-turning. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, and by the way, suburban drivers, you're not compact. Stop parking in the compact cars only parking spots. Yeah, often you see that, isn't it? <laughs> I see that all the time. I and I love suburbans. I'm not speaking ill of suburbans. I think they're great no, vehicles. That's not if that's the vehicle you need, if that serves your purpose. But would it be an outrage that a, a dealer who, by the way, you have to show proof of insurance before you can walk off the lot with the, drive off the lot with the car? Would it not be unreasonable that in order for us to let you drive off this lot, I am going to need you to go out to the back section of our lot here. We have a little bit of a course. We're going to give you at least a 20-minute instructional period on maneuvering this vehicle that you have never driven before. Um, is it reasonable for people in Florida who have never seen snow on a road to, uh, to now move to New Hampshire um, or, or just recently uh, the Great Lakes area, Buffalo, where they're now having to drive in four feet of snow? Right. And by the way, I am that person. I, I grew up in the southeast. I had never driven in snow 
uh, other than a dusting, a light dusting. I get to Michigan, uh, Western Michigan, where they do get four feet of snow. Uh, they call it lake effect, but it's snow. And, uh, you know, uh, I always tell people by the end of winter, I'm, I'm chucking snow 12, 13, 14 feet up this pile on each side of my driveway. I had never driven in snow before. And so I went to one of the, the local guys who were in the Coast Guard and said, hey, I need you to teach me how to drive in this stuff. It it's terrifies me. And uh, he, he said, sure. And we got in the car. And, and, you know, the first thing I learned was how do you go in reverse and get out of a parking spot, mm -hmm. which sounds silly. But if you hit the gas too hard, your wheels just spin and spin. You don't go anywhere in that kind of snow because underneath the snow, there's ice. And so just to uh, make a, a bad situation, it's a little bit more fun. Right, right. And, and so, and, and I remember I said to him, how do I not end up in the ditch? And he said, Mike, you're going to end up in the ditch. Every one of us has. <laughs> it's just, it's the way it is. Just don't be going so fast that ending up in the ditch becomes fatal. Take your time. You're not in a hurry. This is not a race. And, and so everyone in Michigan, in that part of Michigan, slows down when winter comes. They have their winter car. Um, uh, by the way, there's a song that a Michigan group did called Dashing Through the Snow in a Rusty Chevrolet. That's that's their snow car, right? The Rusty Chevrolet. So, uh, yeah. I would, and they I, would argue, I would argue to that point, have a vehicle that is appropriate for where you live. Spikes in the tires in that part of the country. Uh, they're illegal in a lot of places, but spikes in the tire, chains, and and proper snow tires, not all-season tires. Uh that that's important. But I, I was wondering, I know that you've taken a lot of classes regarding driving and, and you, you show off your, uh, uh, your adaptability to drive in ways that drive your poor spouse. Absolutely nuts. But I sit over there and laugh while you're doing it. Uh, when you're going she likes to make noise, but she's having a good time. Uh, well, I, I always chuckle because I think it's amazing that to be in the, in the passenger seat, looking in the rear view mirror, watching you go down your driveway backwards 30 miles an hour, but I've never felt a moment unsafe. So how did you get to that level of skill? Was it, was it self-taught? Did you have coaches or did you actually take classes? Um, it's a combination. I mean, like anything else, and, and I'll just apologize if this sounds a little bit uh, haughty, but, you know, everything is a matter of degrees, you know, and, and to a degree, certain people are going to be talented behind a wheel. And, and more so than other people. And certain people are going to have training behind the wheel more so than other people. I happen to have both. And it's just one of the things that I've enjoyed in life. I love to drive. I love to drive just about everything. But I've also driven just about everything professionally. Because, you know, I grew up uh, as a, in my youth and into uh, young adulthood working in the arts, which means I still got bills to pay. Right. <laughs> and you paid those bills by being a professional driver, correct? Well, when I wasn't uh, making the money as a professional musician or, 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 or actor, um, I would supplement often by driving. And sometimes that was industrial driving. I worked, I put myself, among other things, through college, working summers, driving for a farm. And I would be doing long hauls, a lot of times overnight hauls, in a big 40-foot box truck up to the Canadian border, strawberries, got it. There was a period I couldn't even walk past a strawberry. The smell had become so nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> um, farm life for bug tussle, right? Right, um, right. <laughs> but 
I, you know, that was a great experience because when I started working in a production company and taking uh, tours on the road, part of the job as a, as a road producer was also to drive the production truck. And now I'm, you know, driving a 60 foot truck with, uh, uh, you know, manual transmission, that thing we don't drive in this country anymore, uh, down through New York City and parts unknown and all this other stuff. And I was never bothered by it in the slightest. But um, I've also driven Formula One and, and raced on the track in Abu Dhabi. I've, I've been you know, trained in all kinds of performance driving, and I ride motorcycles. And by the way, and I know you're going to agree with me on this, you become a better driver of cars when you learn to ride bikes. Amen. Amen. And you know to look for them. And That's by the way, dear more. listener, that, that squid who's splitting lanes and, and weaving and bobbing on his motorcycle does not give you the privilege of being able to kill every motorcyclist you see. Just like, just like, and I'm speaking to the exceptions to the rule, I think most people are very cognizant of, of motorcycles, but when I've had people talk to me, well, they drive like jerks, I'll, I'll clean up the language. Again, that's not a death sentence. When you hit someone on a motorcycle, they will die. There's no doubt about it. I'm sorry, I'll get off my pedestal, but but it's no, a no, it's, it, it's it's something very personal to us, and we've ridden a lot of miles together. And you know, I I will argue that there is some responsibility for absolutely the riding on the on the rider's part. But uh, even if you do have some kid out there on his uh, his rocket of various uh, Asian persuasion, um, that doesn't mean you get to run him off the road, and. You know, if you're really concerned about something, feel free to pull over and let them buy. Right. And by the way, the British make very nice rockets, too. Uh, oh, I, 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 I know, but that's not what most young people can afford. So. Yes. No. So, no. I and, and by the way, this is a discussion you and I have all the time. We, we recently, well, I think in the last year, had a discussion. What do you think about taking this training? And I was specifically talking about uh, motor motormen, which is motorcycle police officers, you can take motorman training where you can learn to ride like they ride mm -hmm. on, on big 950 pound, eight and a half foot long motorcycles like I own. Mm -hmm. And you and I have discussed taking some of those classes and, and there's a responsibility as riders that we have to make sure that our training is at, at the top of, of the heap because it's a life or death thing. And, well, and this is where we, you know, to, to cross it over to another, a number of things that I think are indicative of some questionable American cultural aspects, which is that there is a lot of times the, the temptation to believe that because you have the right to do something and the law does not prohibit you from doing it after, after a certain point of, of licensure or, what, or, or whatever, permit, permitting, that you no longer have any responsibility to improve your skills. And this, you know, is something that we've talked about where gun ownership is a responsibility. Um, we've talked about it, you know, a lot of motorcycle riders feel that it is important to continue to improve their skills. Of course, they understand their personal investment into their safety. Right. Um, but we don't have that where it comes to driving either. The only time that we have, the, the majority of us have to revisit our driving uh, licensing, driver's licensing is if we move to a different state. And depending on the state, some states require you to test again. Others require just you got to come in and simply fill out a paperwork and register with a different license. 
I'm going to say, so, so a couple of things that I want to just asterisk what I've already said in this episode. I realize there's a practical difficulty with uh, some of what I said I wish existed when it came to transitioning to a vehicle, a, a larger vehicle that you have never uh, driven anything like it before. I understand there may be practical elements that make it hard to check in with that as far as training for for the purchase, excuse me, of these, uh, you know, a suburban or renting a a large moving truck or something like that. Um, I don't think that the idea is not worth exploring, but I I do realize that, you know, there is a certain pragmatism to saying that, you know, if you've only driven uh, in, in Montana for 30 years, that maybe you can't be allowed to drive into New York City. I get that that's a problematic position. But, you know, let's talk about your skills as a driver throughout the course of your life. Most people get their license at what? Somewhere between 16 and 18? Right. Okay. Um, You generally don't have to, if you don't move or do something, you know, unusual, you generally don't have to uh, do anything but a vision test till the day you stop driving, whatever that might be unless you've had an incident that then may require something. But most of the time, the only thing that most places will, will demand of you after a certain point is a, an eye test from time to time. And I would argue, and, and let the letters pour in, ladies and gentlemen, I would argue that there could be merit in saying that regardless of how old you are, whether you are 16, 60, or 96, uh, that maybe every five years you have to take a practical driving test. Hone up on your skills, show us that you can still parallel park, that whatever new vehicle you may be driving uh, that's registered to you, you have to be able to pass those skills in that car because here again, you may have taken your 16-year-old test in a Yugo and now you're driving a Suburban. Can you still handle that vehicle? And if you are 26 and you don't pass that test, then you've got to go back and get that corrected. If you're 96 and you still can pass that test, then have at it. And maybe there's an argument that after a certain age, that test has to become more frequent. But as long as you can pass it, you know, maybe after the age of 70, it's every three years, I don't know, two years. And then maybe after another certain point, it's every six, uh, one year or something like that. I'm just spitballing here, but there are far too many people, and I will fight, I will die on this hill, who do not know how to handle their vehicle, safely or legally. I I, I have no argument. Uh, By the way, uh, it was funny, as I was listening to you talk, uh, Stan Lee came into my mind, and you'll understand here in a moment where I'm going with this. Uh, And of course, Stan Lee based his his saying off of uh, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. and Stan Lee's twist on it was, uh, to whom much power is given, much is expected, I believe, is, is how he said it. Um, great power. With great power comes great, comes great responsibility. That's right. From, to, from And so when you have a car, you've been given great power. You've been given the power of life or death. And uh, to my friends on the left, you will rant and rave about, not all of you, but some of you will rant and rave about firearms and never understand that I can kill far more people with a truck in, in a matter of a second and a half than I can with a firearm. 
So three fingers pointing back at each of us. We we need to continue. And by the way, my, my co-host will be sure to tell you uh, my opinion on firearms in a future episode uh, where the first thing after he and I had a discussion, I said, and you're going to go out and get more training, right? <laughs> so true story, by the way, <laughs> as he will attest. Uh, but yes, I, I think you're, to your point, we do need to to if the government doesn't require if government doesn't require and, and I don't know that they should. We can talk about that maybe in the future. I think as a matter of personal responsibility and as a good citizen, it is up to you to continue to refine your skills and become a more adept driver. And by the way, take your inner uh, butthole that you want to be and tuck that in the corner of your mind until you're done driving from point A to point B and then let that person back out because there's no place for him or her on the road. Uh, you need to be courteous. You need to be cognizant. And by the way, those little ones are watching you. And and so I think what I want to end this episode with, if it's okay with you, Charles, how are you going to make sure your son doesn't become one of those drivers? Well, I'll, I can actually answer that very practically in one regard. Um, but before I do, I actually do want to respond because this is where, you know, a lot of left-right difference comes in. And I understand both sides of this argument, but I tend to lean one way over the other because I completely agree that there needs to be a, a, a degree of personal responsibility um, when it comes to comporting oneself safely, whatever the activity. Um, but especially when others can be damaged by my failure to comport myself in a responsible way, then it is absolutely necessary for that uh, behavior to be checked as a, as a responsible driver, as a gun owner, whatever it is. The problem is, because the right would argue, and, and again, speaking of generalities, personal responsibility. And I don't disagree with that. The problem is, and this is where the left comes in, is that some people, and a lot of some people, are not going to exercise that personal responsibility. And so shall we be left at the, uh, as, as victims of that failure to exercise personal responsibility? Um, and in the absence of personal responsibility, we have regulation, which, of course, nobody wants that word. But this is, this is the, ba the delicate balance that I think falls failure and, and creates victims of the void that those two failed approaches um, can create. And that's a problem. That's a real problem. And I don't, I'm not going to say I have the solution. But I don't think we just throw up our hands and say, oh, well. No, no. and we are going to discuss this more because we're going to be talking firearms here very soon. Uh, and I think we both have a very unique I agree perspective. With you. I agree with you that th there's no, nothing less dangerous about a car in the hands of a dangerous person. Right. I completely agree with you. I know uh, you did. I know or you did. an untrained person or an irresponsible and, and that's my concern is we are woefully undertrained as, a, as an American population. And again, I'm not speaking about everybody, but we are most I woefully. Think, I think part of the reason is that we feel because the law doesn't require it after a certain point that we have the right to be untrained. So any, any one of us who, who, who practice something that's dangerous, regardless of what it may be, the shooting sports or, or driving or, or motorcycling or whatever, we all know that 
the, the, the government standard is a minimum standard and it will not serve you well and that you owe it to yourself and your fellow citizens to okay, go get more training. right there. <laughs> so, citizens. Yes. <laughs> and so I, 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 and you and I are not arguing over that at all. I, I think, uh, it's a hard, was, it's a hard balance. So, and, so again, I, I, I don't know that we finished, uh, you finished answering and we can wrap this no, up. No, I, so let me come back to that. Cause yes. you asked the question, yes. what am I going to do to ensure my kid is a, is a safe driver? Well, the, the first thing is I can never ensure that at some point I have to trust that I've done everything I can do. And then we have to, assuming he has demonstrated, uh, you know, the exercise of responsibility then we have to, you know, let go. However, I will say, and the whole lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but I think one of the first steps to uh, helping him develop that responsibility is I will not be buying him a car. I had to buy my own car and it wasn't fun and it was expensive and I had to work hard, but boy, did I have skin in the game when it came to that car. Mm -hmm. That car was mine and if I chose to drive it off a cliff, that was my choice, but it was also my responsibility. And, you know, there were still certain rules because I did have a car before I left home. And so there were still certain things I had to be home at a certain time and so this, that, and the other. But uh, when it came to that car, it was my car. And there was no such thing as, as telling me what I could do with it or not. But if I screwed up, it was entirely coming out of my pocket. Um, and that creates a very different concept of responsibility than, Ooh, I got a new BMW for my 16th birthday. And if I destroy it on my day after 16th birthday, I'll get another one. Yeah. It's, 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 it's don't, don't, don't think you're doing your child a favor. If you give them a new car, unless they're older and, and have established themselves as, as excellent drivers. I met a, I met a, a young lady who was driving a very nice, but not expensive Mustang. I said, where did you get the Mustang? And she said, my parents made a deal with me that if I got straight A's, they would buy me a, a, a Mustang. And um, she got the straight A's obviously, because she was driving the Mustang. And there was a part of me that said, oh, that's a very clever way to get your kiddo to go through school with straight A's. And then mm -hmm. there was a part of me saying, yeah, but they bought her a brand new car. Now, obviously, she treasures that car because she put a lot of skin in the game to get that car. Um, but oh, and and everybody's going to be a little bit different in the, how they exercise a sense of responsibility. I would not take that approach, but you know, if it I wouldn't either, and I'm not judging the, but I'm not judging them either because she did have to earn the car. So <laughs> it's it's, and I'm with you. My parents never bought me a car. They never even whiffed at the idea of buying me a car yeah. or now, even. A lot of people will say, but what do you, you're just going to drive your kid everywhere? Okay. Yes. So here's, to a certain point, yes, because I also think it's important that we give our kids what they need to be able to participate. And, you know, if that means for a period of time that I'm going to be driving them, then absolutely. However, I, when they are licensed and showing responsibility, I think there is something to be said for providing them transportation. And that could be uh, letting them borrow my car. That could be buying a vehicle that they can use. But here's the caveat. That's my car. Amen. I'm allowing you to use it. But the minute you disrespect that privilege, I'm take, I can take it away. And, and, and if you have to participate in the maintenance of that car. Amen. 
And if you have multiple kids, it's yours to loan to whichever kid who's earned the the right to, to or the responsibility to use that car, you get to dole it out. Yes. So it's uh, no, there are ways to 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 walk that balance. And look, you know, they're always in in one kid may be able to be given every gift with privilege and still be responsible. But there seem to be a lot of thread with a lot of young people who are given uh, these these great gifts that just don't have a sense of of uh, responsibility over them. And boys, please stop wrecking the cars. You're you're bringing the rest of us males down. It's it's always seems to be the boys that wreck the cars, and it well, just I don't breaks know if my heart. I agree with that. I've known plenty of young ladies who have uh, wrapped the car. Yeah, well, for some reason, the boys tend to destroy them and the young ladies just bang all four corners of them. Well, so, <laughs> so anyway, testosterone makes the right foot heavy. <laughs> yes. So, hey, listen, this has been a really interesting discussion. I, I think we both agree that we need to always make sure we're getting more training, whether it's uh, practicing in the parking lot on a Sunday when nobody's there with some cones, uh, parallel parking when you don't have to, just to make sure the skills are still there. Uh reading about driving better, defensive driving, taking courses that are offered probably within 30 miles of you right now, wherever you're if sitting. All, if all of that is too much trouble for you, then let's start with something simpler. Put your phone down. Yes. Yes. Turn the radio down a little bit. Yes. Though though I am an advocate for some good tunes behind the wheel. I, I love, but you know, you and I play the radio at a conversational level yes. uh, in the car. Yes. Um, uh, unless the song is really good and you're on the open highway. <laughs> but even then, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, the, the, the bass that's got the, the vehicle, yeah. seven cars behind you yeah. rattling. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, we drive, we drive in the car. We do not go to the concert in the car. Well, <laughs> so, it's, it is absolutely, uh, there it is. Oh, now, so, listen, hey, write in, because uh, we want to hear, did, did you buy your own car? Did your parents, what was the responsibility given to you? Did you have an accident when you were 16 and a half? Uh, was, you know, what was your experience? How are you raising your kids? What's your attitude? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Do you think we're crazy? And, and by the way, you've been to Germany and you just think they're terrible drivers. Though statistically, they're not. Uh, real quickly, I, I, I misspoke earlier. I said that uh, motor vehicle crashes were the number one killer of uh, 18 and youngers with the exception of disease. No, they are the number one killers of children regardless of, of whether it's illness or not. So, really? yeah, it, it's pretty in staggering. In this country. In this country. This is U.S. numbers from from um, a government agency, uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So, uh, yeah, I went and looked it up because I when I made that uh, qualifier, I was like, I don't think that's right. So, so motor vehicle crashes, number one, firearm-related injuries, which are predominantly homicide of adolescents and suicide of adolescents are number two. Mm. Uh, and, and then the first disease is, and you may have to tell me what this is, malignant neoplasm. Is that cancer? Uh, I honestly don't know. I that's think that's cancer. Uh, and then suicide, suicide is number three, uh, is right after that. So uh, non-gun related suicide. So um, I, I just want to make that one quick clarifying uh, point. And I, that was the only thing I caught myself on. I don't think there was anything else that we, we missed. Um, well, if we did, you know how to uh, let us know. Well, please tell me, I, because I may have forgotten. 
civil discourse tnss at gmail.com what is tnss what is that not not a safe space Ah, Uh, civil discourse tnss at gmail.com I, I want to thank you for this is your topic. You brought this to the to the table today. And uh, I, I think it's a great topic that we need to talk about. I, I think we did have a little disagreement, but not not too much. You came uh, to the usual conclusion that I was right. Uh, well, you came to the usual conclusion that I was right. So so we were both so brilliant. But anyway, no, I, I think it was a good topic. We need to discuss this more. And uh, but I want to thank you again for, for just being very gracious and to interacting on this platform and uh you know i I was thinking about this as i was watching the news recently and and people were screeching at each other across the road uh, during demonstrations and and i was like this is not my country this podcast is the way it's supposed to happen on on the national stage we should be talking in civil tones and with respect to one another and i want to thank you for modeling that every time we have this conversation well, a conversation is not a conversation if it isn't two people. And so I couldn't do it without having you here. And for that, uh, you know, uh, I'm always grateful. Always. And so I, I know we have some others we need to thank. Uh, first, our, our listeners, we, we want to thank them for what they do for us. First and foremost. And, Absolutely. Uh, if, you, uh, if you like what we've discussed here today or any show in particular, uh, or can't stand what we have to say and really say like get off the airwaves you're filthy in the sky then uh you know write us in let us know go to that review box give us five stars even if you see them as thumbs down you know um smash that like button i think that's what the kids say on the street now smash it um hit the rumble <laughs> yeah absolutely give us a review tell your friends tell your enemies uh you know send send a note uh, hey uh the holidays are coming what better gift could you give than a card with some sort of something that tells them about uh, this show? Because Amen. This Amen. Is, this is the best gift that keeps on giving. Absolutely. So uh, I know you have a couple other folks we need to thank real quickly. Well, definitely uh, to our esteemed engineer, editor, contributing and occasional co-host, Keith Zedroyovi. We could not uh, be here without him. Amen. Grateful. And uh, to the Lazarus Trio, Carl Groves, and uh, the great, the honorable Mike Koniger, who uh, brings our music in and out. And uh, we need to talk about uh, approaching a new year coming up here. Yes. Maybe it might be time to uh, change the soundtrack a little bit. I I think we should. And uh, Carl, if you're listening, uh, it's your move. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) And uh, of course, my uh, esteemed co-host, the great Dr. Mike Oh, no, and the great Charles Secree. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And we hope that you have a great holiday, uh, no matter where you are. Be safe. The roads are the busiest traveled. Uh, It's horrible right now. And stay out of that left lane unless you're passing. (laughs) All right. Be safe. Be well.